it's rare that we get to record in person on this podcast. But just in time for Thanksgiving, I was able to sit down recently with Peter Coppinger, co-founder and CEO of Teamwork.com, the very company behind this show, during his recent trip out here to Denver. You see, before Teamwork.com was the growing SaaS company we are today, serving agencies with a platform to run client work, Peter and his co-founder, Daniel Mackey, were doing client work, building a web design agency that eventually led them to start building the platform we provide to thousands of customers today. Every time I get to talk agency life with Peter, I hear the passion from his own experience come through, and this one was no different. We discussed the three consistent stages of growth in scaling an agency, what they are and how you recognize which stage that you're in, the utilization benchmark Peter recommends from his own experience, his take on the age-old question to niche or not to niche, especially in this current economic environment and his take on whether or not you should be embracing AI as an agency looking ahead to 2024. To kick things off, let's start with that hot-button issue itself, AI. And here, as Peter weighs in from his conversations with so many agencies at Inbound and in his recent trip to Denver, where he spoke with several of our own customers. There's a lot of pressure in the market. You know, agencies are looking to see how they can leverage AI to be more efficient. There's also a level of excitement, but there's also a level of fear in that. Fear that if they don't embrace AI, they can get left behind. And there's a, there's a lot of bluff and bluster about what AI can do. People are figuring it out and people are trying to cut through the noise. Everybody's watching what everybody else is doing. But it's just a fascinating time to be in the agency space. Yeah, I can agree with you. I think it was at Partner Day when they started announcing some of the AI features or pre-announcing them. Yeah. Inbound and everybody was like, yeah, but wait, what does this mean? Sort of thing. Yeah, some of the stuff they're they're rolling on HubSpot is particularly exciting and will affect our business if it works, right? So we're excited to see where this can go. Yeah. What are, obviously, the economic condition right now versus a year ago is is different for a lot of folks. What are you hearing from agencies and how they're faring and what they're seeing out there right now? Yeah, so unfortunately, every agency is typically still feeling the pressure in the market. And with the continuing worldwide instability, it's affecting everybody. Every business out there is depressed. Sales cycles are taking longer. People are really doubling down and keeping their existing customers and just kind of shoring the business they have, keeping their people and batting down the hatches while looking for opportunities and trying to make cost savings. People are consolidating tools. You know, everybody's also putting off unnecessary purchases. Even in the consumer world, people are like not upgrading their iPhones, right? Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, I can wait another year and so on. <laughs> You're seeing the same thing in business. Yeah. Right across the board, business is that little bit slower than it was. And, you know, we were kind of all hoping that we were starting to come out of it a couple of months ago, that we were starting to see the light. And now we have new wars kicking off, right? Mm-hmm. Which don't. Yeah, it's interesting. You use the iPhone analogy because I'm like, that new iPhone 15 Pro looks really nice. And I'm three years into my current one. I'm like, yeah, ah, but I might hold like on. a bit of titanium, yeah, like, you know, camera slightly better. But is it enough? Yeah. yeah and then I, I know switch from lightning to... port to USB-C. That's, that's, that's a big one, all right? Yeah, <laughs> one less cable to carry around. Um, but is that worth right. 1,400? Right. I don't know. Right. We can probably wait another cycle. Yeah, yeah. So I want to touch base with you on the aspects of the guide that we really broke down kind of these three stages of agency yeah. growth. Talk to us a little bit about how we define those three 
and yep. why they're still important, even though things are different than they were a year ago, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, we produce a guide, the ultimate guide to scaling your agency based on our experience in running an agency for 15 years or so, mm-hmm. plus, you know, 15 years of talking to thousands of agency companies like you. The way we see it is there's a journey that every agency that scales has to go on. You don't really have a choice. And we, sure. <laughs> we call it deliver, grow, scale. And really, it's pretty simple, right? Deliver, when you start any agency, it's all about just delivering for the customer. That's it. Just get the, the, get the project. The game. Just get the project done. And like, it turns out that as you, as you start to scale your agency and bring more people on that, that's the easy part. Doing the work is the easy part. It's everything else that goes on around the work. So the next two phases are grow and scale, right? Grow is really about getting organized. So it's about templatizing your business. And it's about systemizing things. It's about documenting things and checklists for everything, just so everything's streamlined. And a big part of that phase as well is time tracking. And so like, I believe that if you really want to be an efficient, well-run, well-organized agency, you got to be time tracking and you got to get your team utilization to you know, 70, 80% plus. And if you do that alone, you'll already be in a great place. And that empowers you then to move on to what we call the scale phase. When you get to, you know, probably, probably between 15 and 25 people, you're going to start really feeling operational pain. You might find that um, you're very busy, but you're not necessarily profitable mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And that's where operations comes in. Operations looks at the big picture. And it really makes sure that you're running a tight ship and an efficient business. Mm-hmm. So looking at your different streams of work, what are the most efficient, which ones you should drop, where you should mm-hmm. double prices, where the bottlenecks in your business are. So deliver growth scale. I know that was a big one for you and Dan back in the day of realizing, hey, we need to charge more. Right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I like what you said there about profitability. I think we're going to circle back to that in a bit because I think a lot of agencies right now, they're not necessarily thinking about you know, doubling, tripling, and these huge growth yeah. goals, but yeah. they are thinking about how do I continue to scale and not yeah. descale, for lack of a better word, yeah. and remain profitable. And I know one of the things for anybody who's still in that deliver phase, and they hear you saying that, and they're like, yeah, that's the loss. We're still just yeah. trying to deliver work. Yeah. You're a big fan of identifying your niche and yeah. doubling down there. Yeah. Does your advice change there, given the current situation, or do you think that that's still kind of your top recommendation. Yeah, I, I know there's some agencies out there that, that do well by offering a broad palette of services, right? Sure. But I think that's the exception, right? I think actually when you spread yourself too thin, you try and do everything, you're a jack of all trades, master of none. It's actually much easier in general to specialize. And for us, when we had our agency, we used to do e-commerce, we used to do application development, we used to do websites, we used to do mobile apps, we used to do everything. Anything that would make us money. And then we, when we actually stopped and looked at it, and I kind of did a bit of soul searching about what we enjoyed the most as well. It was custom application development. It's just much more money, much more work. We really enjoyed the work and we just became specialized at that. And that specialization really helped us scale. The other thing is, um, you know, as we started saying no, no to work and giving kind of go away prices for the work we didn't really enjoy. So that meant when we did take on projects slightly outside our speciality, at least it was super profitable. Yeah. 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 Which ties into, you know, the epiphany we had one day about eventually that we need to double our prices. Yeah. I've heard you say it before that you were being too nice to a yeah, lot of your, yeah, yeah. your clients. Right? I think that's, that's probably very common. I mean, we all, you know, you start an agency and you just really want to look after the customer. You'll go the extra mile. And like, eventually, that's the right thing to do when you're starting. But eventually, that mindset will hurt you. And we used to do so many extras for customers. Probably had, had probably 40% of project overruns, probably tipped over extra work we did for free. And then one day we, we had the epiphany, why don't we charge for this work? 
And it uh, turns out customers actually don't mind paying for the extra. Mm-hmm. Another thing we did was rush work. So it's very typical that customers are like, call you at 6 p.m. on a Friday and they need something urgently done. And then you say, hey, no problem, but I'm going to charge you 2x for this rush work. Two things will happen. Either they'll say, you know what, it's actually not that important. Just do it next week. No problem, which is great. Or they'll say, no problem, we will pay that extra. And that was another lever in helping us scale our agency business. Either one of those options sound better than breaking your yeah, back or before breaking your team's yeah, back yeah, yeah, on yeah. Friday afternoon. Yeah. And then you're damaging the culture, yeah. not only your profitability. Yeah, exactly. I like what you said there about over-servicing too. I was chatting with Melody McKeon on her partner team yeah. here. And that she was saying, I like this line she said. She said, over-servicing often leads to underperforming. And that ties yeah. into what you were just saying there. It ties into stats that we saw in our state of agency operations report yeah. that half of the respondents said that they're over-servicing clients knowingly, yeah. either sometimes or most of the time. We'll link to the full report and I check, this and, and, and check that. And there's so many risks that, you know, there's yeah. risks that you're going to burn out. There's risks that your staff are going to burn out. There are risks that um, you're just not going to be profitable. For us, it was all the above, right? We were starting to burn out. And when we actually looked at our profits at the end of the year, and bear in mind that we had a great reputation. We had more work than we could handle. We were very proud of the work we were doing. We were working some of the biggest multinationals in the world. Um, But when we stopped at the end of the year and we actually looked at our profitability, we were like, why are we not making more money? Like, we could not be taking on more work. You know, we're super successful. Their profits aren't there. And that was when we had the epiphany, hey, we've got nothing to lose. Let's just double our prices. And again, customers, one customer in particular that I called up, it was a large university. He was like, I was, I was wondering when this day would come because you've been undercharging for years. <laughs> were you yeah. like, hey, why didn't so, you say anything? Yeah, <laughs> so we, we took on half the work and we're twice as profitable with half the stress. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think in general, once you've got a good reputation, you should be increasing your prices to the point at which you're losing a good bit of work, but you're actually not a busy fool. So I've heard you use that term before, and I think it's a good segue into the next phase. If you're going from delivering to the second phase that you describe in the guide, which is grow, especially as an agency founder, you're trying to get out of that situation of being a busy fool and transitioning and delegating really the name of the game. What are some of the tools and tactics that helped you in that phase? And you see other agency owners successfully gone from deliver to grow and let go and, and go higher, as they say, in the EOS. Yeah, so, you know, when you start an agency, you're, you're just hands down in the business delivering the projects. You know, when you get to the growth phase, you've probably got 10 people or more, and you're starting to get more organized, and you're probably less involved in the delivery of the projects, and you're probably, you're getting some bit of capacity to come out and look at the big picture. It's at this stage, really, there's two things. There's getting your team utilization to a good place. So there's a lot of agencies that will just begin projects done and not actually tracking time. I firmly believe that that's not a professional way to run your business. Uh, you're going to be missing a lot of extras, not charging for those extras, and you just ultimately won't be able to know which projects are efficient and not efficient and put budgets in place, help you kind of unlock scale. Whether so, you bill by time or not. Whether you bill by time or not. Yeah, yeah. Just even for your own, be able to understand yourselves which are the profitable projects and not, right? So I highly recommend that every single agency tracks their time, and your team may not like it initially, but that's just the nature of the game. I believe you just have to have to sell the vision to your team and do everything you can to kind of bring them on that journey with you. And you've done some great podcasts on this about you know this topic, how you get your team to embrace the need for time tracking. Yeah. Once you got your team time tracking, you want to aim for your team to be doing 70% plus utilization. I know there's so many agencies out there that want their team doing 80%. I believe 70% is a good place to start. It's probably a fair number. 
for anyone that doesn't know what that means, uh, it means that your team are logging 70% of their 40 hours or whatever they work in the week actually on client work. And you might say, why is it not 100%? Because inevitably, you're going to have internal meetings, you're going to have lunches, you're going to have whatever. You're going to have emails, you're going to have just other non-billable stuff eating up time. So 70% is probably something good to aim for. If you do that alone, you'll probably be a better organized, better run agency than probably 80% of the agencies out there with just that one thing. And the second thing then, though, is, is a checklist, right? So templatizing your business, you're probably doing typical projects, right? And there's probably typical stages to those projects. What you want to do is streamline the projects as much as possible. So we want checklists for everything. We want checklists for onboarding staff, for offboarding staff, for the different types of projects you do. And what that allows you to do is um, start putting in your estimated time versus your actual time. And then you can actually really see yeah, where the hours are being lost in your business and where you need to charge more. And you'll start to identifying where you can actually streamline things by you know, having a template that client fills out and so on. Uh, templatizing the work to a degree just is you know, a game changer. We were talking with Sam Shepler from Testimonial Hero, and you yep. talked several weeks back on the show about you know, how productizing the service, yes, there are some uh, some potential perils. If you go too templatized, too productized, you open yourself up to competition from lower cost providers. But okay. if you're not doing that, then you know you don't have that scalability to do it repeatably yeah. and to look at what's working, what's not, where you can squeeze some more efficiency out of it. So yeah, yeah. Leveraging those templates. Yeah, the, the other thing I've seen happen here is that people go too far. So yeah. I've met customers that um, they have taking their templates too far. Your template should have enough detail in there that you're streamlining the business. But if you're you know, adding 10 levels of subtasks, you're actually adding more bureaucracy than is justified. Right. And you're actually hurting yourself. Trying to get the balance right. I heard one of our customers, Ali Schwanke, who's also been on the show as well from Simple Strat, they're a HubSpot partner. And she mentioned they actually went through that same pendulum swing. Yeah. They went from kind of wild, wild west, not enough documentation, yeah. not enough templates. And then they went to Okay, well, open this yeah. file and then yeah. drag it here. No, yeah. you need to understand the level of uh, maturity and professionalism and the experience of your team members, but give them kind of the guardrails to work within. And I think that's the yeah, right balance. Absolutely. So she mentioned kind of being here, yeah. swinging over, and then coming back to the middle, yeah. like you're saying. Exactly. The other thing you can do with templates is uh, set up dependencies, right? So for example, let's say you need a client to give you a logo before you can design their website, right? You can make that a dependency that unlocks the entire project. And you can visibly show this to the client. Hey, everything is locked behind you giving us what we need. And it could be templates, could be logos, could be whatever. But it's just really powerful for you to be able to see, I can't work on any of this. So let's, you know, pester the client, which you can do with one click on the task, that we need this to unlock this project. And then you can move on to work that actually is available. That's, that's a really great example. I know from running a client service team within an agency, having to coach some of our account managers to, to say that you don't have to just sit there and wring your hand because yeah. the customer's upset because we're behind schedule. Yeah. You need to tactfully show them why we're behind schedule because yeah. of the dependency on their side. Yeah. And that takes some coaching, but with yeah. a little bit of enablement, especially yeah. if you're using a tool that allows your team to do that visually, yeah. it's going to help. And, and think about it. They're hiring you to be a professional. So it's okay for you to say, hey, I need you to step up and you have to do your part of this if this is going to work. It's not that you're just a servant to them. They're hiring yeah. you for your professional ability. There is, um, related to this, there was an experience we had where we were working with a large multinational years ago and uh, we were working with 10 different teams 
And they were arguing over what colors is going to be assigned to each team. And I'm sitting there during the meeting going, this is such a huge waste of my time. So after that, we implemented a policy that we will deal with one person, one point of contact. And no, no matter how big the organization is, we want one point of contact. You go make your decisions and you come back to us through that one point and streamline the entire process. So I suppose at this stage, continue to look at what are the bottlenecks in your business and what's kind of slowing you down and costing you. Hey there, it's Logan with Teamwork.com. I wanted to take a quick time out from this conversation to ask you just a few questions. Are you an agency leader looking at the year ahead with concerns about AI, inflation, employee turnover, and client retention all at the same time? Are you curious how your peers are managing similar concerns and thinking about the path forward? If so, I've got some good news for you. Teamwork.com recently partnered with Audience Audit to gather responses from over 500 agencies around the globe into a comprehensive research report, the State of Agency Operations 2023 edition. And to make it easy for you as a regular listener of Agency Life, we've linked to it right in the description of this episode. So if you want insights from fellow agency leaders about how they're managing profitability, employee utilization rates, the use of new AI tools, and over-servicing clients, check that link in the description of this episode and access the 2023 State of Agency Operations Report today. All right, let's get back to the rest of the conversation with today's guest. We will deal with one person, one point of contact. And no, no matter how big the organization is, we want one point of contact. You go make your decisions and you come back to us through that one point, streamline the entire process. So I suppose at this stage, continue to look at what are the bottlenecks in your business and what's kind of slowing you down and costing you. And some of those might be internally, some of those might be yeah. your clients, yeah. but you can still operationalize some of those things. So I think yeah. that's a really good call out. You know, when it comes to reaching the, the scale stage yeah. as an agency, we've seen some of our customers who are elite HubSpot partners yep. really get to that stage. And I, I see them go even further with the systems and process that they have in place that have really enabled them to do that. They have great leadership, they have yep. great culture, those sorts of things. But what are some of the commonalities that, yep. that you see there among those that are reaching that scale stage today? I think we should clarify for that you don't necessarily need to be a giant agency to get to the scale phase, right? You may choose that you want to be a 30-person agency forever, a person agency, but you want to be well-run, you want to be efficient, you want to be organized, and maybe someday you want to be able to sell the business, right? Mm-hmm. And it's just a good thing to strive for, to be in the scale phase. Now, it does help you unlock growth and scale if that's what you wanted. But not every business wants that, and that's that's okay. And then getting clear on actually what you want is probably one of the first part of the journey. things you can Sometimes do. Sometimes it's a step that's skipped. Yes, right? it's often skipped, and you often have uh, two co-founders or three co-founders or more that never actually had a good discussion about it. It's mm-hmm. like, how big do we want to be? Um, which was part of myself and Dan's journey as well as we scaled teamwork. You know, For years, we were trying to figure out how big do we want to take this. But yeah, so if you really want to get to scale, it's really about profitability. So ultimately, everything boils down to profitability and having systems in place that allows you to unlock growth, be able to confidently take on new employees, to know what parts, what type of business you want to take on. So again, looking at, you might have five different uh, revenue streams, but one of them might be far more profitable, but you're so busy doing the work, you can't actually see that. Yeah. If you can actually stop and look at that, you know, bird's eye view of your business and see that this revenue stream is far more profitable, then that's where you should focus your business on taking on more of that type of work. And it might be that you're great at Fortune 500 companies or that you're great in a particular industry and you might further down uh, narrow your niche. So, you know, we have a lot of things built into Teamwork that helps you see the big picture and are you actually 
profitable at the end of the day. And ultimately, that's what this stage is all about. Really get to that profitability stage, the highly profitable stage. And then I think once you're kind of in the scale phase, it's kind of like an endless cycle of just getting more and more efficient. So you might start looking at how do we make our help desk more efficient? How do we make all these 10 different software products we use work better together? How do we um, streamline onboarding new staff? How do we streamline offboarding new staff? How do we have single sign-on around all our services? That's kind of, this is your forever loop, but it's a good place to be. And I would say most agencies don't actually get to that stage. You know, as we're recording this, Peter, we're uh, rounding the bend to 2024. It's right around the corner. Regardless of the stage and the agency owner leader who's listening to this might yep. be at in their business, what do you think should be top of mind for them if they're planning for their 2024? Trying to maintain the growth that they have, trying to guard against, you know, all of the uncertainty out there in the market. What would you say, you know, you would recommend them keep top of mind as they're doing probably their annual planning right now, looking at 2024? Yeah, I, th- I think it goes back to deliver goal, growth scale, right? You want to identify where you are in the journey, right? And you want to, like, if you're at the deliver stage, you can't jump to the scale phase. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't worry about profitability and so on just yet. I would look at this journey, which is documented in our ultimate the- guide to scaling your agency, but look at what's next for you to get more professional and more organized, because that's the thing that's going to make you more resilient. Another thing that can help in kind of um, unsettled times, right? And we talked about this in the book is retainers. So switching from taking on new work all the time to try and get to a place where at least 50% of your business is retainers, because that will just allow you weather the uncertainty out there, weather the storm, and have much more predictability in your business. The other thing I'd encourage everyone to be looking at is AI. I think if, um, if you don't embrace AI to some extent, there's a risk that you may be left behind by your company. So uh, yeah, keep focused. Yeah. Determining where you're at in the, that stage of growth, I yep. think, is important. And it's not just about revenue or headcount. Yep. We've got some things in the guide to help you kind of triangulate, where am I really? So we'll link to that in yeah. a description as well. There's an interesting uh, pattern that I've seen over the last 10 years okay. that even new and small agencies want to be super organized, professional from the get-go. So I, th- I think that's a really healthy thing that's happening. Like They understand that if they're going to need to be efficient, they probably need some good project management software and they want to have best-in-class checklists and templates and everything else in place, even if they're a five-person team. And I think that's admirable. It's a great trend. What do you think we'll be talking about next year among all the agencies that we serve, that are customers, our partners, that maybe we're not talking about now? I, neither one of us has a crystal ball. <laughs> Don't have a crystal uh, what, ball. What's your bold prediction for you know the next 12 months if you've got one? Don't know if I have one. I think this time of year, I think AI is going to be much, even more stronger than it is today. I think it's pretty impressive what AI can do today. I think we're going to be blown away by what's unlocked over next year. I think there's going to be a world of AI-driven products come out of the woodwork. I think that'll just be really interesting to watch. I predict that everybody will be using AI heavily in their business to try and be more streamlined and efficient. I think that a lot of the people producing content are going to really lean into AI. I predict that we'll probably get to a point where people are fed up, fed up with AI-generated content pretty quickly and that people recognize AI-generated content is a risk. And I, I suspect that people will start tagging their blogs that were written by humans as written by humans yeah. and not generated yeah. by, by AI. That's yeah. my prediction. I think yeah. those are pretty safe bets because one, I've seen people on LinkedIn that are in my network 
say that I haven't seen it personally, but they've said that they see comments on their posts that are obviously AI generated. Yeah. So not even the content, the posts, yeah. but the comments. Yeah. And then the other thing is I have seen people, especially in the marketing space, say, look, I'm committing at least for right yeah. now to not have my content AI generated. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm shooting myself in the foot, maybe not, but yeah. until you hear otherwise, that's where, and I think a lot of people are, you know, taking stands like that. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I think, um, like, you know, whenever anything new comes out, like uh, predictable revenue, whatever, some new strategy yeah. comes out, like everybody, and it works for a while for one company, and then it leaks out, everyone copies it, and it reaches a point where it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. So I think the same thing will probably happen with AI content. It'll, like, reach a point where it's working great for every company that's doing it, and then it'll reach saturation, and everyone will be sick of AI-generated content, and we'll probably have a bit of clash. Yeah. That's my prediction. Could be wrong. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll have to have you back on the show. You know, anniversary day, eat my words, twenty twenty four. Yeah, and play the yeah. clip and then have you react. Yeah. The, the other thing I hope is like you know this time next year that um, the world will be in a better place and we'll be starting to come out of the last few years of turmoil and there'll be more light at the end of the tunnel. And I think the companies that weather the storm over the next year and batten on the hatches will emerge in a great place. I appreciate you giving. Some- some tips for agencies, consultancies, those sorts of folks listening to the show today. I think you've given them some food for thought on how to batten down the hatches, um, where to find those opportunities for more efficiency. You're not an agency owner today, but you were one for those who are just yeah. now hearing the story of how Teamwork.com was originally founded, you and your co Dan, yep. running the agency, becoming the product company. So yeah. I think it's still fair to hit you with our agency life fast five. Don't yeah, you? and just one thing, I did reinvest in an agency recently, one in Ireland, because I just wanted to kind of make sure I'm deeply connected to that world as okay. we continue to scale teamwork. Okay. So I don't know. Yes. Small sliver of an agency. Yeah, myself. I love it. I love it. All right. Well, let's take that one because our first question is always, if someone gave you an extra $10,000 a month, 120 k a year to invest in your agency, where would you spend that? So in this case, or if you were just running an agency again, you know, solo, what would you do if you just suddenly had extra cash to be able to invest? Let's say you're at the deliver stage, because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. that might make or break the question, right? Well, it's interesting. The agency I invested in are doing a lot of consolidation, emerging with other agencies, so I'd probably help accelerate that, right? But if I was a, a small boutique agency, I would probably be digging into... First of all, I'd invest in teamwork.com, right? <laughs> but if you haven't done that, I would probably be looking at how AI tools can help me accelerate my business. Could be marketing, could be content generation. Awesome. Peter, what are some of the, the books that you're consistently recommending to other business leaders, especially agencies that we work with and serve that have impacted your own career? Yeah, so one of the biggest ones I always recommend, I've probably been recommending for, for 15 years now at this stage, is uh, Traction which is uh, by Gina Wickman. It's the EOS framework. So it's the entrepreneurial operating system. It's a very simple, easy to understand blueprint for running your business. And what it does, it just if you just follow the system in this book, you spend less time stressing about how to run the business and more time actually generating profits. Mm-hmm. And I, it was a, a big unlock for us when we discovered this teamwork. Instead of figuring out when we should do this, when we should do that, how we should do this, we just followed a lot of the process in the book. We've evolved a little bit, but we still follow a lot of the common sense processes in the book today, such as the weekly L10 meeting, 90-minute meeting with the leadership team every week, same time, which is real structured, good process. It's brought real discipline to the company. So that that's, that's probably like the only one I would recommend. I could probably rattle off 10 books, but that's the most sure. important. Well, there is another one, the EMIT, but it's very famous, right? So a lot of people don't realize you should build business to sell. And we're all in the agency space and we love our business. We think we're going to do this forever, but you got to think about you cannot do this forever. 
And you should probably, from the get-go, be thinking about building a business to sell. Redeem. All right. Number three on our agency life, Fast Five, always leads to a good story. So from the time that you were running an agency, what was one mistake that you made, Peter, that you'll never... In running an agency? Oh, man, so many. I, if you Google, actually, uh, Peter Carpenter, top 10 mistakes scaling our agency, you'll mm-hmm. find an oh, article yeah. that was yeah. pretty popular. I would say pricing was probably the single biggest one. Just not having the confidence and being busy fools going, kind of related to it is kind of going the extra mile without charging for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, is, that is it. Yeah. That transformed everything. Awesome. All right, four and five of the Fast Five as we rounded out are two sides of the same coin. Number four, what do you think is the hardest part about agency life? You're the hamster in the wheel, right? So the way I used to always think about it is, we're just hamster in the wheel, we're running as fast as we can, we're taking out as much work, we're getting through the work, we're looking after customers, right? But the second you stop, the wheel stops, right? So, you, like, And especially in the early days when it's really reliant on you, you can't even go on vacation without constantly being attached to your phone, checking emails. And I think that's where Deliver Go Scale can help you escape that trap and put a system in place that doesn't rely on you personally and allows you build a bigger hamster wheel that spins off actual profit. I love that. I love how I just rolled right into that analogy. All right, number five, like I said, is the other side of that coin. What do you think is the best part about agency life? Best part? I always got to kick out of delivering for customers. Mm-hmm. I, know, I know not everybody does, but like... Um, mm-hmm. You know, delivering great projects that you're personally proud of, mm-hmm. that you know you did great work on, and really happy customers. I always got a kick out of that, and and we kind of tried to continue that ethos with teamwork. Like, so when we started teamwork, we we stayed customer centric, and we tried to have amazing support and so on as we scaled that. But yeah, I get a kick out of that. I personally get more satisfaction from somebody saying you knocked it out of the park for us than mm-hmm. the profit side. Yeah, I love it. Well, Peter, thank you for making time. I'm glad we finally got you on the show. Man, we got a yeah, chance great. to unpack the guide a little bit today. We'll link to that to the in the show notes for everybody. We'll also link that article that you yep. mentioned, the 10 mistakes Ten that mistakes. you made yeah, in yeah, running absolutely. your agency and our state of agency operations report. I think absolutely. there's some, some interesting things there, especially regards to over-servicing and utilization rate to see how you compare to your agency peers. So, Peter, thank you for making time. I'm glad we got to record this one in person. And uh, we'll see you next week on Agency Live. Pleasure. Awesome. You've been listening to Agency Life. And if you made it this far, you're probably enjoying the show. If so, you can help other agency leaders find the show in about 14 more seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, you can simply scroll down till you see ratings and reviews and tap the number of stars you think the show deserves. We'll really appreciate it. And so will the other agency leaders who find the show based on your rating. And if you're looking for even more content to support your agency life journey, check out teamwork.com slash agency life. There you can search through past episodes, get access to the agency life newsletter and find additional video content to support and inspire you as you continue on this crazy roller coaster ride that is agency life. <laughs>